Welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by MCUExchange.com. It's all connected. Everything. So you know what? We're just going to get right to it. We're not going to be witty or charming. This is It's All Connected. I am John. I have with me Brad and Russell. How you guys doing? Good. It's great to have Brad back. This is a big, big show. I feel bad about Ken not being here. I mean, you know, Ken loves to talk, and he knows how everything's connected. I'm just glad I can be here. It's finally worked out with my schedule. Of course, I want to talk about Age of Ultron, but I know Ken would have had lots and lots of stuff to to talk about, but um, I'm glad to be here. Ken is uh, at a family function, isn't that right? That is. Correct. I'm glad to fill Ken's shoes tonight. You're going to try. That's all we can do is, is try. So we got an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode that leads directly into the ginormous movie release of the weekend, Age of Ultron, which opened today as we record this, which is pretty awesome. We're going to geek out about that. But first and foremost, uh, many of you may have noticed a little difference in our show opening. And uh, I'm going to throw it over to Russell to explain that because he is more organized than me. Fantastic. Uh, Yeah, so... Overall, I, I made mention this in episode 60, it's really not too big of a deal as far as you, the listener, and, and what's going on. Uh, the biggest thing is is we are going to be now affiliated with the with MCUExchange.com. Uh, so if some of you aren't familiar with their site, definitely check it out. Um, they post up a lot of really cool, not just Marvel news, but uh, but they have some folks that really put together some good articles and drop a lot of knowledge on characters upcoming in the marvel cinematic universe so you know they've done articles related to ant-man and vision and scarlet witch and you know just some of those characters that that pop up um and then just some of their opinions on uh you know casting and and histories and all that kind of stuff so really really good stuff we kind of filled a gap that they had in that we had a, a pretty good in my opinion a pretty good marvel cinematic universe podcast and we've been talking to those guys for a long time, and we, you know, we do a lot of media sharing and things like that. So it's more just to formalize our relationship with that site. Uh, as far as subscribing to the podcast and all that, none of that is going to change. I mean, if you're the way you get it through iTunes or through your Google service, which whichever one you do, uh, that won't change. The only thing that will change is if you do get new episodes through the website, we will not be posting new episodes at hhwlod.com anymore. Uh, the archived episodes will stay there, uh, and we will work on getting the archived episodes over to mcuexchange.com, um, but new stuff will be over at mcuexchange.com, as well as on our Patreon page, uh, where we post up all the episode links as well. Uh, so that's where you'll get the new stuff. The Facebook page is going to stay the same. The Twitter is going to stay the same. Uh, everything else is pretty much going to stay the same. Uh, we do have a new YouTube page. Uh, if you noticed on the Facebook group, I posted the Marvel Collector Core unboxing that I did. 
uh, on the MCU Exchange uh, uh, YouTube page and website, and we put a link in the in the Facebook page. So we still love the HHW LOD family. Uh, Brad, of course, is is the primary component in the HHW side, and John and I are, you know, longtime and original founders of the LOD side. Uh, and you know, Brad. I'll speak for you and you chime in. HHW, Half Hour Wasted, is not you know going away. Um, you can hear John and I occasionally on the various podcasts on the HHWLOD podcast network. Um, but as far as it's all connected is concerned, uh, it is an MCU exchange joint from this point forward. Awesome. We thank those guys. Uh, like you said, we've had a good relationship for a while, and it's just kind of a natural... Makes things easier on us. We get to podcast. They do website stuff. and. Uh... It's like uh, peanut butter and chocolate. I believe that the buzzword is synergy. Nice. So we have a lot to cover. I think the plan is that we're going to hold uh, a lot of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. talk back and feedback, Facebook, Twitter, and stuff like that for next episode when we continue on with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And tonight we're going to just open with a little Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., talk about how it's how it got us to Age of Ultron and uh, what ends up being quite a big week for Marvel Studios. Yeah, so the Dirty Half Dozen, that was the episode. There was a lot of uh, black Nike turtleneck t-shirt, I don't know what you call it, like Under Armour style shirts in this one? Yeah, I know, you know, it's funny. I noticed, not that it was meant to be product placement, but you really the the Nike swoosh really stood out on their <laughs> on their like Under Armour type uh, you know secret spy tops. Yeah. Did you notice that, Brad? I didn't actually. Um, I noticed you know obviously all the black, but I didn't notice the like the Nike logo. Yeah, right up on like they were kind of like turtlenecks. They were like mock turtlenecks as we call them in the uh, athletic apparel industry and there's a big nike swoosh like right on the neck and i just noticed it because you don't see that type of thing you know they're usually kind of like no frills or they'll just have the shield logo or something like that well when the cw's flash is beating you in the ratings i guess you need to do something to get a little bit more uh, uh to help out with the budget so maybe maybe we'll see a little more product placement moving forward yeah yeah, we don't do ratings on this show anymore. We don't. <laughs> if they'd don't. gone in a different direction, maybe we would have continued. Yeah, that's true. Do you guys find it harder to continue being so excited about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when other things like Daredevil and Age of Ultron you know, are starting to pop up? Your enthusiasm has to be spread out. Enthusiasm is like matter you can't create it and you can't destroy it it just goes other places or it comes from other things so we all have a general supply of enthusiasm for things and we can only be enthusiastic for so many things before we're stretched thin so with the advent of new movies new tv shows something's got to give um agents of shield for me personally has given just a little bit uh, I still like it. I still watch it. I still look forward to seeing it. But, you know, honestly, when I have two or three shows stacked up, it's not the first one I go to. I will watch it, but it's not it's not on my the top of my list anymore. But I still like it. 
I mean, I insisted to myself, you got to watch uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. before you go see Age of Ultron. So it still has a place in my heart, and it's Marvel. How can it not? Yeah. I, still, I still like it. I feel but, like they could learn yeah. something from Netflix and stuff and maybe go to like 12 episode seasons or... Yeah. For me, between the Daredevil show and between this episode lead up into Age of Ultron and the way things happened last season with Winter Soldier, it made me feel like maybe this should be a little less connected, that maybe this show is handcuffed too much. Like, we all want it to be so integral in what's going on, but it's never going to be... It's never going to be an extent, a direct extension of the movies. It's always going to be affected by what they have planned for the movies. And it seems like they're having to, the show is kind of suffering because they're having to shoehorn so much stuff in. It, it's almost like a, like an old friend, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, it, it's always there. And when you watch it, 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 it it's comfortable. Like I, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with it. If, if it went away, I would be, I would be really sad. I I enjoy watching it and I enjoy the story they're trying to tell but I think maybe more like Daredevil if they were just trying to tell their own story and we just and it wasn't so connected uh, which sounds <laughs> kind of funny coming coming from 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 me saying that um that maybe it would allow it be it would be allowed to be its own thing more I think it I think it just at times it gets handcuffed I'm wondering if originally it was it was supposed to be something more, and they realized, well, maybe that's too much, you know, to bite off. Maybe we should only use it as a support system for the the greater cinematic universe. Um, it's obvious that most of the general movie going public, who is enthusiastic about the Avengers movies and Captain America movies, they're going to hear Inhumans and they're going to go, "What is that? I don't have any idea what that is." So. They have to introduce the idea a couple of years ahead of time through this TV show of the Inhumans, and and I think that Agents of Shield has evolved into more of a support system, a, a breeding ground for uh, certain things that pop up in the in the Marvel U, or it's more of a mirror of things that have happened in the in the big cinematic universe. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I feel in this case. You know, it worked so well with uh, Winter Soldier last year. And this year, I feel I felt like it derailed the show a little bit more. You know, I would have been very happy with watching Sky's transformation into, you know, Daisy Johnson and Cal, her father, and the Inhuman stuff. I would have been fine just sticking just with that. I would have been fine if they were just hunting uh, Ward all season. You know, like, all that stuff was good, and then I felt like it got a little bit jumbled towards the end here as they had a setup for this last episode before Ultron. And kind of bleeding topics a little bit here, you know, one of the things the show suffered from is they couldn't resolve the Hydra thing. Like, you weren't going to see Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. resolve their defeat of Hydra. That happened in Age of Ultron. Right. So... Again, the show is a little handcuffed by that. And by the same extension, it's a little odd because one of the things they they talk about in Age of Ultron is how pretty much over the last year what the team has been doing was going after these Hydra strongholds to look for Loki's scepter. 
none of that was really mentioned in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you never got the impression that that's what they were doing, that the Avengers were out there kind of assisting them in their goal, or that they were assisting the Avengers. I mean, they were, you know, spending most of the season kind of incognito. So that that's where it kind of, it kind of suffers, I think, a little bit. Well, what did happen this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode? Maybe we should get to that before... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it pretty much picks up from the last episode. I mean, Peterson and Bakshi are kind of infiltrating what's left of the of the Hydra hierarchy uh, with List. And so they pretty much just form this team to go after them. Uh, and that's where the, the term the Dirty Half doesn't. And it just so happens that the team is pretty much made up of the original, uh, you know, the original Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. team from when the show first started. Sky comes back specifically to help them out uh and 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 get that straight um and then of course you know ward being a part of it uh, i i thought it was funny when ward was kind of giving his little speech and then you know tries to be all contrite about you know i don't even i'm not sorry for all the people i killed or all this and that i did i'm i'm sorry i broke up this team because we had something special and i thought for a minute there it was like oh here we go and then everybody was like and then Sky says, "I'm I'm still glad I shot you." And then everybody else is like, "Yeah, I'm glad we kicked you out, and <laughs> you're not a part of this team anymore. I don't regret anything." So, I liked uh, I liked seeing Fitz lose his cool for just a second, and you know they had to restrain him. He looked like he was going to jump Ward for a second. I liked when he told Simmons about it even better. He's like, "Yeah, I kind of I kind of jumped Ward. They had to restrain." Yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. I was uh when. When Ward was giving his speech, I, and he said something about getting the group together, I was like, ah, they missed an opportunity for them to, to throw in the, you know, reference to getting the band back together or whatever. Right. Yeah. My, the other funny reference that I don't know if you guys caught, but it was when, I guess it was when Colson said something to May. He said, like, when did you join Team Gonzalez? And I, I don't know if that was intentional on the writer's side, if that was a callback. Do you remember when, um, God, I'm blanking on the the vampire, the Twilight the, Team Edward, tw- Team Jacob. Yeah, the, yeah, the t- Team Edward, Team Jacob, and they had that Team Edward shirt, and it was Edward James almost yes, dressed yes. as Adama. Yeah. So when he said Team Gonzalez, I just I didn't know if that was intentional or not, but I thought that was I thought that was yeah. pretty funny. That is funny. And Sky had a couple good one-liners. I mean, she had the whole uh, with Raina. She said, "Well, I, I thought you were." Sp- busy spinning really fast collecting gold rings like as a as a sonic reference right and then w- <laughs> the other one she had was uh wait a minute stop as a what reference sonic, sonic the, hedgehog. the hedgehog oh the reason i don't understand that is because i never played that game aha that B- before really my ps3 the last video game system i owned was a atari 2600 awesome so that tells you how far out of the video game uh, world I was for a very long time. And you had that Superman game, didn't you? I had the E.T. game. Oh. No, I didn't. <laughs> I had my jam, Pitfall was my jam. But uh, you said mentioned uh, Sky. Uh, she, her fighting style like evolved a hundredfold over the last episode break or something because she had that awesome, uh, when they were raiding the facility, she had that awesome, you know, minute and a half two minute sequence yeah where she was just kicking butt and taking names and shooting people and oh that was wonderful it felt like 
felt like she had superpowers or she was like a Black Widow type. You know, it was just, it was awesome. And it was shot really well. I mean, I guess we would call that a tracking shot. I, that's what yeah, I call single, it. It looked, it, and it's funny, when it started, I was like, wait a minute. And I kept looking, I, I was like, okay, I wonder if somebody saw the dailies on Daredevil and was like, oh crap, we have got to up our game because this is going to totally eat our lunch. Uh, and, and, and they either plan that shot or whatever, but it was a single take shot. I mean, I looked and there was no, there was no cut. I mean, obviously the cut at the end was, you know, there's sky whipping her hair around and you see her face to make it look like it was her, but, uh, and not her stunt double. And they must've CGI'd like her face onto that stunt double. Cause there's a couple shots. I look either that or she's been, or Chloe Bennett has been doing some hardcore training uh, because there were some shots that were obviously her face. But I I looked and I went back and rewatched it again, and there was no there were no cuts, there were no breaks in in that at all. Yeah, that was a really that's probably the best little fight sequence we've had on that show, maybe since the beginning. I mean, I was literally was like out of breath after watching it. It was just amazing. Yeah, it's funny. The Daredevil one reminded me like of the Raid or Old Boy, and this one, John, this one reminded me more of like John Wick. Where, oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, because it was gun related. You know the the you know the raid and and the other one weren't so much. You know they were more hand to hand as was as was the daredevil and this one was all gun foo. So maybe somebody did saw she? Um, I haven't watched it again. I'm gonna watch that scene again. Was she like reloading and stuff in motion during it? Did you catch yeah. any of that? Yeah, there yeah. was there was one like right in the middle of of her little of her uh, fight where she had just enough time to eject a empty magazine and slam a new one in. Um, she wasn't like in mortal danger at the moment. It was very convenient. You know, she just happened to run out when there was nobody trying to kill her for the next 10 seconds or five seconds or however long it took. But yeah. And then she had that Candyman reference. I guess she was talking about Ward. I guess I've never actually seen the Candyman movies, but I guess the deal is if you say his name, he sh- he appears. Is that is that? Yeah, what if you s- I think if you say his name in the mirror like three times, something like that. Yeah. Wasn't that Beetlejuice? Uh, that was just if you say it three times. Oh, okay. But yeah, no, I, you're right. The Candyman was, yes, what you said is accurate. That that was funny. What do you guys? So, the, the, just because everything always comes back to Watchmen, an old LED reference, when they raided that base in the Arctic, did. Did that not look like Ozymandias' space from the Watchmen movie? Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that at the time. But, yeah, it was same, it should, same It was idea. like this long external shot in the snow, and it was like this weird-looking building that was just sitting there by itself, which was this Hydra facility. Anyway, it was just kind of... Bakshi's a goner. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Wasn't... Um... Well, I mean, if they knew they were going to take Hydra down in... Ultron, Age, Age of Ultron, you know, I almost said Agents of Ultron. <laughs> That's the next crossover. Um, if they knew they were going to take Hydra down, why not go ahead and have a, you know, a big death or something? Yeah. And why it not was just, get rid of him? I mean, I think, again, it's just another Simmons character moment. You know, she was, uh, uh, you know, obviously out for Ward and Bakshi, uh, you know, I guess because he truly was under Ward's control, was willing to, what ended up being sacrificed himself to, uh, to to stop Simmons, but I th- I really thought he would make it through. I thought he was gonna uh, carry on, but I guess if they're really trying to wrap up all this Hydra stuff, I guess it makes sense. I don't buy murderous Simmons at all. Well, I just don't buy it. Yeah, and I think the fact that she botched it 
kind of, I think maybe they were trying to say that she's not as quite as hardcore as she thinks she is. Like they kept making a point the whole time of her being seeming very nervous about having to do it. Like she, this isn't like, oh, I'm just going to be cold about it. This is, I just, I'm doing this because it has to be done. But yet, I, I don't know. I think, I think maybe her botched attempt is going to kind of be a reality check for her. Yeah. I mean, even the other thing where she was, uh, I guess she's trying to convince Fitz about, you know, or she mentions those little bombs and, uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I, I just, uh, I'm not sure I buy this character swing or whatever they've planned. Yeah. What, uh, so did you guys see a correlation when Coulson was at the terminal? downloading all of the Hydra information onto his um, USB stick or whatever that was that that like he it almost seemed note for note like he was playing the Black Widow part from the ship raid in the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I thought of that for sure. Yeah, Yeah, like he had his mission and he wasn't he didn't tell anybody else and it was to collect intel for well, in this case, Hill, but Fury. So that was cool. So Ward, it's funny, Brad, when when we kind of had our bit with Ward and he calls Coulson because he he ditches out and leaves Agent Thirty Three back at the base. Did you expect to hear the Sad Hulk music playing while Ward was on his phone on his phone call? No, but that's a very good thought. I actually thought of the Sad Hulk music at the end of Age of Ultron, and we'll get to that. But um, <laughs> uh, no, I uh, but I didn't expect. You know, I I totally expected Ward to skip out and leave the girl and save his own self. I don't know what their plan is with Ward, but I don't. I don't think I'd buy any kind of redemption. Uh, no, I think I think this. All. Yeah, I think if anything, this episode solidifies the fact that there is no redemption for Ward. Um, and like you, John, I think I think this is just going to be the new status quo. You know, for however long the show lasts, that at from time to time they're going to have to make a deal with the devil and they're going to need information from ward and you know that's how he comes into the fold for that brief amount of time and you know they'll be cross double cross and all that kind of stuff yeah he's snake eyes now we've said it before he's yeah yeah they're going to need to call ward in when there's something too dirty for the agents to do yeah i mean that for, you know we get a little bit more of what's going on in uh in uh afterlife you know, not not too much. I mean, we could definitely tell there's some tension building between Ying and Reyna. You know, obviously Cal's a little upset and he pretty much outs Sky as being a part of that family, which they wanted to kind of keep hush-hush. So Cal is yep. kind of a bit of a loose cannon at this point. He did that out in public, so to speak, you know, on, on the sidewalk full of candidates or whatever they're called. Yeah. And you could see a few of them look at each other like, oh, okay, that explains what's going on. Do we... uh? Do we need to pour one out for the bus? Uh, that was uh, that kind of surprised me that they would have that, that that that. I mean, I understand why they did it, but I guess you have to take one for the team every once in a while. And this time, it was the airplane's time. I guess maybe they figure if they get a third season, that they could afford to build a new set. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I like the bus. I'm gonna miss the bus. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was a big part of that season. Sure. And John, one of the things that we talked about offline was the the effects in this episode. That that that's something in the past that may have come off a little cheesy. And that whole firefight with them playing 
possum inside the inside the bus with the Quinjet uh, actually it was pretty well done. Yeah, I, I really like the effects of this show, and like you just said, that stuff with the Quinjet and the bus was great, and we already talked about Sky's uh, fi- uh, you know fight scene, if you want to call it that, which isn't really an effect, but you know just more camera work and and a little more effort on the production end, and uh, you know I thought this was top notch, really. Because they've there have been some bad special effects on Agents of Shield. Oh sure, but I didn't feel like that this show. Agreed. So, I guess the last bit we'll talk about here is the connections to Age of Ultron. So we kind of alluded to a couple earlier. Uh, the two big ones were Raina's vision, where she has a vision of the scepter, and she talks about an iron, uh, what an army of metal of of metallic men and you know, it's basically going to change the world, uh, which obviously we saw how that played out. And then the next bit is Coulson giving the intel to Hill. And so just kind of like we thought about last week when or last episode when we talked, that the the intel that Coulson gathers, he gives to Hill, and that's what she gives to the Avengers so that they can go raid um, the base in Sokovia, which turned out to be... Uh, exactly that right now do you think as we start to segue into age of ultron if you don't watch agents of shield would you even question like how did they end up going to sokovia like i nah nah, it's just inconsequential right like oh they must have got intel from somewhere you know they're the avengers they found out that this is where it was you know They they even make a point in the movie of saying I think Thor says it where it's like, yeah, we've raided how many bases and now we finally found, you know, where we thought the the scepter was there and now we finally found the base where it actually is there. So, I mean, they basically just made it sound like, hey, for the last year we've been on their on their tail and now we finally, you know, we finally got it. Yeah. It's a nice little extra if you watch the show. But if not, yeah, like you said, you're not going to be scratching your head on that on that one. We talked. We were talking to Ken earlier on the email, and he said something about the Theta Protocol and how it was, you know, ended up being something in the movie. And I didn't make the connection. I guess the first time I've seen Age of Ultron twice. I saw it last night, and then I saw it again uh, today at noon. Um, they never once said the word Theta Protocol in the, in the movie, right? And so can you explain to me and hopefully other people, hopefully I'm not the only one that has no clue, what Theta Protocol is supposed to be? I mean, there is no actual connection A to B made, but we're just guessing at this point. Is that is that accurate or am I stupid? No, I I think, and you, you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what Ken, and Ken will correct me next week if I if I misquote him, but... I think what he was saying is we've heard about the state of protocol. It's tied to the Avengers. In fact, at the end of, of Dirty Half Dozen, Coulson even says, you know, yeah, third, Theta Pro- Protocol is ready. It's time to bring in the Avengers. Um, that that the beds that and the and all the resources that Coulson was gathering um, was was to basically put together ahead of time this base for you know, what we know is the new Avengers at the end of Age of Ultron, that that base in upstate New York, it's a new Avengers headquarters, even upstate New York, that that's what the Theta Protocol was for Coulson to build this or gather up the resources for this facility for them to go to. 
the only and and so for me the only thing that throws that off is to me theta protocol seem very clandestine and the fact that they use it as their new mo like the new normal for the avengers at the end of age of ultron didn't seem like there was any need for secrecy like yeah it also seemed like a very dire choice like when yeah. they first mentioned theta protocol it was like oh no not that you well it know, sounds like very that. ominous that's exactly. the word i'm looking for thank you brad it sounds very ominous and so maybe that's where the confusion is coming in on my part like the new avengers facility seems like a good thing so why does it like you said russ why does it have to be a secret why why is it hush hush i mean why can't you share it with why couldn't colson share it with the rest of his team i mean and at, I, and at that point they didn't know they needed it like that wasn't even done until what happened in Age of Ultron. You know, Ultron attacked, I think, and they didn't explain this in the movie, but my thinking is they want to take it away from the city, right? Because Ultron, you know, we saw what happened in the Battle of New York. We saw what happened in Sokovia. Ultron attacked this, you know, skyscraper in the middle of, of New York uh, that they that they were based in, and it, it collateral damage. So my thinking was they decided to move to upstate to get away from that. That it, at at the at the point the movie started, there was a lot of arrogance. Like you know, this is our headquarters. This is where we are. And you know, basically the events of that movie kind of humbled them to say, look, we need to kind of tone it down a little bit and maybe maybe step away so we're not you know causing all this damage. That wasn't quote, known. I'm sorry. I have the quote from the first Shield episode. It's Phil Coulson and, and Sam Koenig, right? Yes. He says, I want you and Billy to immediately return to HQ if things go radically south here. I'll need you. To, well, no. Let me let me start that over because I misplaced my period. Which first want, episode are you talking about? I don't know. The first time they mentioned the Theta Protocol on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. I want you and Billy to immediately return to HQ. If things go radically south here, I'll need you to implement the Theta Protocol. And then Koenig says, sir, and he says, that's an order, Agent Koenig. So it's almost like, like we said, Russ, it, ominous is a good word. You know, it's almost, you know, Koenig didn't even want to do it. Like, I'm not getting why it would be a problem to set up a different base for, you know, more possible uh, Avengers or, or whatever we're thinking it is now. Well, yeah. it's I got the feeling that it was more of a school for, for teaching up and like Ken said in in the email, uh, you know, an academy, Avengers yes. Academy is the name of of one of the comics. That is that still around? Actually, is it still being no. published? Or okay, no, but we, it, yeah, it was for a a, a long time, several a years. years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, it was a big deal. That's where they trained new recruits, and I got the feeling that that's what this facility was at the end of the of the movie. So I'm still not a hundred percent convinced that that's what Theta Protocol. It was supposed to be, or the, it, I don't think that's yeah. what it was supposed to be when they first came up with the idea of Theta Protocol. And maybe the story is well, they prepped it in case they needed it for something crazy to happen, and then because everything the dust all settled, they decided, oh well, we got this facility that Coulson set up and got got rolling, so let's use it. Um, that being the case, then everybody must know that Coulson is alive again, I would assume, since he's the one that's been doing all this work behind the scenes. So, I, I don't know. I And, you know, there's a, we got three more episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. left. We've got 
you know, this coming Tuesday and then the two-hour finale. So maybe maybe they'll give it a little more attention. I'm assuming that, that we'll get Patton Oswald's Koenig back because he's been gone for many episodes now. Um, so maybe once he comes back, maybe they'll give it a little, uh, a little lip service and we'll, we'll kind of get to the bottom of it, but, or maybe we're all wrong and Ken is right, which I hate, I'd hate to admit that because he's been more right than me lately. And it's (laughs) quite frankly, making me, making me mad. (laughs) So how about, uh, why don't we take a step back and just talk about, you know, uh, how we all liked Age of Ultron and, and our general thoughts. May I go first? You may. Obviously, I loved it because I want to see it uh, a second time. I had heard that this movie was busy, was full of events. It it moved fast. So I was expecting to feel the way, after watching this movie, I was expecting to feel the way I did when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy, which is, I'm not sure if I like that movie because it was very busy. It moved really fast. I missed a lot of things. So I had to see Guardians a second time to kind of get to a point where I could even understand what was going on. Well, I had no such problem with Age of Ultron. I took both of my daughters, um, my 20-year-old and my almost 16-year-old. The three of us loved it. We laughed. You know, we cheered. We fist-pumped. It was... There were emotions. It was just, it was a different movie than the first Avengers. I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know what words to use to articulate that anymore, but it felt like a different type of movie. But it was equally as enjoyable for me as the first Avengers. I I liked it very, very much. I think my face hurt when I was done because I was smiling most of the time. Very cool. I liked it. I liked it more than Avengers. Uh, I liked it more than Guardians of the Galaxy, mostly because of the tone. And I don't know if that's what you're talking about, Brad, when you say it was different. Uh, You know, they kept a lot of the humor. There was a lot of funny stuff in it. But there was some real, like, dire situations in this movie. Like, there were some serious moments. You know, Ultron was evil. And, uh, you know, I mean, he cuts off Claw's arm and stuff i mean there was just like some yeah some more dark moments in this movie than i think i don't I don't think guardians of the galaxy was meant to be dark at all i think avengers toyed with it but they stayed on the safer side of things and i thought this had a little better balance and it wasn't perfect there are some plot holes and you know pacing issues definitely but uh, but I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I had a great time. There were a bunch of wow moments for me, which is really what I'm shooting for in this kind of movie. Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything you guys are saying. For me, I mean, I guess if I'm going to just to kind of show where my ranking is, like, I still think the first Avengers is better than this just because and a lot of that is just that feeling you get when you see something for the first time. And, and not that the Avengers was the first time we saw these characters, but there was just something about them coming together and just the, the the way that movie was plotted and paced and, you know, that ending scene. And there were just, you know, these hero moments to me that that is just going to be impossible to beat. Um, and then I, I, I still think Winter Soldier is second for me and this one's third. But 
it it's funny. I, I there's a podcast I I listen to, um, and the Tom Merritt's the host. Of, it's a daily. It's called the Daily Tech News Show, and he compared it to. He's like, if somebody said, "Hey, have you seen that new Da Vinci painting? It's not quite as good as the Mona Lisa." Yeah. Um, and and I was like, yeah, that kind of sums up how I feel. Like, I, I I didn't like it as much as the Avengers, but. Uh, but that's not a knock against this movie or the Avengers. I mean, it just, it's still, it was still fantastic. The one thing, and Brad, you said that this one is not like the first one. And I think that's a huge compliment because I think sometimes when people make sequels, they fall in the trap of kind of doing the same thing over again. Um, and this one went so far to try and, to some degree, I mean, you know, the whole drone army thing, I, you know, I saw Ken put a Facebook post on, on that together, or maybe it was the email chain about how we keep seeing, you know, drone armies, um, you know, coming together. But as far as, you know, story and feel and scope and everything else, this one was very different. Um, and there were some of those fight scenes where there was just so much craziness going on that I can't wait to get this Blu-ray and get it home where I could just kind of rewind and watch some of those scenes over and over again, because there's just so much going on at one time. You can't like your eyeballs can't, can't even like capture it all it's it's amazing uh you know how much how much stuff they had going on yeah i think the action was definitely a high point for me and i mean i'm a big action fan so maybe it gets extra points but the fight scenes i love that they're still finding new ways for these heroes powers to show up in a live action movie you know what i mean like captain america is still doing stuff with the shield that we have not seen yet, you know, and now they're the way they integrated Thor, like the teamwork with Captain America. That Dude, stuff's he, fantastic. When he smacked that shield with the hammer and knocked those guys out, I was like, that was that was just one of those moments where you just you know sm- huge smile on your face because the way like, the way Thor brought that to Cap's attention was pretty funny. He goes, "Oh look, they're lining up!" Like, yeah, we've rehearsed yeah. this before. You know, yeah. we know what to do in this particular situation. Yes, that's just what I was going to say. That that part was really cool. And, and I guess the one time he hits it like a baseball, right? Like yeah. Cap flips it and he hammers it with the hammer. Bad, bad choice of words. Um, that was great. You know, even in, they integrated Black Widow a little bit, you know, on the motorcycle, grabbing the shield, flipping it up to Cap. And, and then her fighting with it. I mean, she even had her moment where... You know where Cap flips her, her the shield, and then she's you know actually using it to fight a little bit before she gives it back to him. So I, I like that, you know that that kind of like you said teamwork. You know the fact that they're using each other's you know weapons and you know they're they're kind of firing on all cylinders. Which that was the part to me that that really was exceptional with this movie is just that you we didn't have to do the whole origin story again. Like they're a well-oiled machine as a team. And they're used to working together, and and it just it it really it really showed. And that was a wonderful way to start this movie. Was you oh know, yeah, just boom right into the action. Yeah, and we've seen that one shot in all the trailers, but that one shot where they're all jumping in the same direction, and then it slows down so you can see all six of them lined up behind each other as they're all moving towards the right side of the screen. That was just like that's right out of a comic book page. You know, yeah, oh yeah. like a splash, double splash page. It was just wonderful. I mean, everybody, everybody stepped up their game in this, in this movie. You know, 
like you said, John, Cap's still doing new stuff with the shield. Even his acrobatics are like, you know, they've multiplied. He's just m new moves and stuff. And and uh, Iron Man's got new tricks up his sleeve. You know, Banner seems to be a little more in control, and the team feels a little more comfortable with him. They've even worked out a, you know, a lullaby thing to to bring him down. And uh, Hawkeye, Hawkeye, man, he's shown in this movie. You know, there was just so yeah. many wonderful things. There was so much action, and yet somehow they they figured out how to fit all the right character moments in here. And I'm not sure what pacing problems you, you had with it, John. And, and you said there was one almost one dead spot in the middle somewhere. Yeah, and you know what? We're we're kind of getting to it. I'm not I calling think... you out. I'm just no, saying no, no, no. But it's, it's funny it's because I didn't feel that way yeah. at all. No, I understand. It, it is the first third, I think, of the movie for me. I think after this opening scene, then we get the party, and the party is awesome. Yeah. And then there's like a lull. For me, there was a lull where Ultron came and explained himself like a little too long. And what came after that? Is that where the Hawkeye family stuff started? No, that... That wasn't until that wasn't until after the battle in, uh, in I guess South Africa, right? right. That's after uh, the witch played with their minds, right. right? I'm trying to think when it picked up again, but I remember that it was after the party, and then you know we got the Ultron science bro stuff. Bit. Yeah, maybe the science bro stuff where they're ch kind of like it's a lot of exposition explaining how they're gonna put this thing together, and well, I guess that was before the party. That was yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I, I guess I can't put my finger on it right now, but definitely in the first third of the movie, there was a little bit. I, maybe it was just because after that awesome, huge first battle scene and the party, the party was great. I mean, talk about like character moments. They just like went around the room and everybody had their little bit. So it's funny. I I really thought that. So Don Cheadle wasn't in very much, but the two times he showed up in that movie. Well, technically three, but the two times he really showed up in that movie, I think he stole those scenes. I mean, he, I, I want to see more Don Cheadle, uh, War Machine. <laughs> yeah, and Anthony Mackie too. I mean, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean they, yeah, uh, they, yeah. That goes without saying. But it was just, it was just funny how Cheadle was just, or I should say, Rhodey. You know, the whole bit with the story. It's like, I, it's like, so I dropped that tank and said, boom, boom. are you missing you this? You looking for this? <laughs> you looking for this? And they're just looking at him like, okay, what? And then they make a point of him telling that joke in front of just, you know, the regular people that were there and everybody's like loving it. <laughs> you can see the look on his face. He's like, see, I told you that the story would kill. Yeah. It was just good stuff. Just really, really good stuff. And we talked about this before because we've seen the scene where they're all trying to lift the hammer but yes. once again, that scene is just so good. And seeing Steve Rogers grab it and seeing it move even the slightest bit, and you can hear it make a little squeak, and, and that look on Thor's face. Yes. Where he, like a look of panic for just a moment. And then, if I mean, if anybody in that room could lift it other than Thor, it would be Captain America because he's, you know, the closest thing to pure that there is on that team. Yeah. But, um, you know, going into this movie... I thought that scene is just going to be a really cool moment, but little did w did we know it was going to be a setup for one of the most defining moments in the whole movie, which was, I, I think my arm came out of socket because I fist pumped so hard in that later scene. Um, 
and we'll get to that, but it was a wonderful scene. The whole party was great. Like John said, it was just, even Maria Hill, you know, she got a little, she got a little uh, jab in there every once in a while. So yeah, there was some good stuff. If there's one thing I had a real problem with in this movie, and I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but to me, this is like the elephant in the room kind of thing. What did you think of the whole Black Widow, Bruce Banner relationship stuff? Like, to me, I wasn't buying any of it. Like, to me, that was a real, I, I don't know, it just it just seemed really out of place. I, I don't know, I can't explain it. Yeah, I think we're going to see this three-hour cut one day. And I think... <laughs> I think part of the extra things that were cut are probably some earlier relationship-type moments with the two of them because it seemed to come too out of nowhere at the party. You know, like, at first, right, it seems like, all right, she's really not into him. This is her job to bring the Hulk down. You know, so, like, that part made total sense. But then all of a sudden at the party, she's, like, not pouring her heart out to him, but, like, really being very un-Black Widow-like. And it felt like yeah. there was a lot of missing information in between. Like, I don't know, some other moments between the two of them, maybe. I, I'm not sure. But, you know, that that's just not the Black Widow that we know from the comics. Like, you know... Or even from the first two movies. Yeah, that's the, true. Three movies, I guess, if you look at, you know, Iron Man 2. I mean, when she played up to Tony in Iron Man 2, that was total... That was her. That was her working him. And then in in Cat in Winter Soldier, she even makes the point of, you know, the fact that she's always, you know, she's always the 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 character. Like you know, she's always yeah, yeah. She's she's cold, and that's just how she is. And she doesn't, you know, she it just it just seemed like there was a turn there, and I don't quite get. I just don't. I just don't believe it. Like I don't. I. I, I don't know. I and just, I don't I, even buy the explanation that they tried to give that they sterilized her so she has this like empty place in her heart for kids or something like. I, yeah. But like, I didn't even buy really Hawkeye having a wife and kids. So. <laughs> so that, I guess that whole end of it was difficult for me. That didn't that, bother me at all. The the yeah, Hawkeye thing. Yeah, that didn't thing, bother me. Yeah, the, no, the it was. Yeah, that did bother totally, me. Totally, totally believable, but. Even the second time through, I'm watching this Banner Romanoff thing, and I'm like, I'm still confused. You know, when she's being the bartender, and he comes up and and starts talking to her, and she's telling the story about there's this guy, and I thought, now in the first time I'm watching this, I'm saying to myself, is she talking about Banner or is she talking about some other guy? Because there's absolutely nothing up to this point to let me believe that right. there was any kind of relationship between the two of them. So, and even Banner seemed confused a little bit, like, wait a minute, what am I supposed to say here? Do I say, tell her to go for it or to run the other way? Because I'm not sure if she's talking about me or some other guy. Yeah, then they have to have Cap come over and explain it to everybody. Which... Yeah, and, and he wasn't the only one that, that said something about it, you know? Was it Tony that said something to him about it also later? Somebody else said something to Banner about about uh, him and uh, no, I guess it was Hawkeye's wife that said yeah, it. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, how could you not know? And Hawkeye was like, "What are you talking about?" And she says, and "Oh, they, you're cute." 
Yeah. And then they lay it on extra heavy when when they're talking to Fury and and like did you know when you first sent me to go recruit right. him that this like, was going to happen? How could he know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Wait a minute, what?" Like I just I don't know. I thought I just thought it was forced. Like I don't think it was necessary. I think you can I think you can have Widow be the one that sues the Savage Beast because that's what she does. And basically she's working Banner without having to make them feel like they're in some sort of relationship. And that's why know, the, the end game totally worked for me when she kisses him and oh, pushes yeah. him off the ledge. Like, yeah. that's perfect. Yes. Yeah. I didn't have... as I think I didn't have as much of a problem with the Banner... Black Widow thing as as you guys did, but it was still a little strange. It was still a little confusing, a little forced. But yes, I agree. Pushing him off the the ledge was awesome, and it also made the end of the movie, you know, a little heart stringy at the end. Um, and that's where I was when he takes off in that plane yeah. when he's still the Hulk. That's where I was ex- wanting to hear the Hulk music come in. Yeah, uh, I still think they should have put that in there, but even just a a little. A little yeah. allusion to it, you know. Every time I watch it, I'll just imagine I hear that music, and that'll that'll be even better. You know, somebody's gonna cut that together. Oh, I'm thinking about doing it. As soon yeah. as I as soon as I find a good copy of it somewhere, I'm thinking about cutting that music in. Now, and and I I apologize. I I think we're maybe making you know, we're we're we just dedicated a lot of time to this to make it seem like we're totally bagging on the flick. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't intend for that, but it was just like, if there's one thing in this movie that just really was kind of like gnawing at the back of my head, uh, that was it. Um, but again, I, would, I mean, I would agree with you. I didn't have a whole lot of issues with this movie at all. It was so much fun, but if I had to pick one thing, it would be this relationship that seemed to spring out of nowhere. Yeah. Did you guys catch, so back, back on the positive and, and back away from, unless John, you had anything else to add on that. I don't know. No, no, not at all. I, I, I love the movie. I just, yeah. I, I didn't, you know, whatever. It's not a perfect movie. And sure. I had a problem with that, you know, with that too. So that's fine. Did you guys catch the rep when they were, when Ultron was talking to the twins and he, he was talking about, you know, they were talking about, and you know, people conquest and, you know, all this other kind of stuff. And he, he was kind of going through this project progression. He said, invaders create Avengers. Yes. Oh, yes. I missed that. Both that was times. Awesome. Yes. I oh. I thought that I thought of the invaders, but it didn't make sense to me at the time. But you're you're totally on. That's awesome. I, was, I missed I that like, both that times. Is, yeah, that is a cool reference. I mean I I don't think he intended it to be that, but but it was just like a little wink and a nod, I thought. I thought that was cool. Um, since since you brought him up, can we go ahead and talk about James Spader? Please. I have been a fan of James Spader for a very long time. Um, I loved Boston Legal with him and William Shatner. I think it's one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, but James Spader has a way of speaking, and he has a cadence, and he, he's he got a, a definitely a recognizable voice. Even my my older daughter turned to me and said, I know that voice. Who is that voice? And um, she was like, oh, yeah, okay, I can hear it now. But... um. He obviously did motion cap for this movie. Um, even if I didn't know he did, I would be convinced that he did because Ultron moved the way James Spader moves. His, mm-hmm. The way his head turns, the way his eyes move, the way he nods, the way his mouth moves. I mean, it was like they shot film of James Spader and just replaced it 
you know, obviously, and that's what motion capture is, but it was amazing to me just how lifelike and how James Spader-like Ultron was. It was, I mean, did you see any of that? Did you see any of the actual James Spader uh, mannerisms and, and physicality in Ultron? Could you guys see that? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I've, I've, I'm not caught up, but I watched the blacklist. Yes. And, uh, you know, it could have been red Reddington, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, one other thing before I forget at the beginning of the movie, when they send in the iron legion and all those drones, the six drones, they start speaking to the people. Did you recognize that voice as being James Spader's voice? No, it was, I listened to it. Obviously, in the second time I saw it, it would be like if if uh, you're used to my voice, but then I start talking in a certain manner of speaking that sounds like Brad, but Brad doesn't normally talk like that. It was right. it was James Spader doing a different voice. I mean, it was definitely him. And I think that added so much because it's like he took the Iron Legion's, you know, voice as his own. That's Makes where sense. his that's where his voice came from because yeah. when you next time you listen to it, if you listen hard and listen close your eyes and and you'll you'll recognize James Spader. It's like he's it was like he's voicing a a, a character in an animated movie or something. Nice, it, yeah, yeah it, it was really neat. And I didn't catch it the first time, but the second time I was like, "Holy crap, that is James Spader doing that!" Which just makes you know when I you know I'm thinking when we first heard James Spader was going to be Ultron, I'm like, okay, I get it. And, that, and that's awesome. But he's got such a, an amazing p peculiar voice. How are they going to roll with that and make it believable? Well, you know, his voice started out as a mechanical, non feeling, non emotional device being the voices of these robots. But then when he gained sentience, that's when the emotion came in and it. And I, that's how I look at it is like, it changed that, non-feeling to the uh intelligence the artificial intelligence it just worked for me very very much so sure i must say uh as i look at some things that i have uh not written down i like the twins a lot more than i thought i was going to like the twins yeah i thought quicksilver was funny i thought the effect was fine they didn't uh, they didn't really showcase the effect. It was more of just kind of like a, when he's gone, you know, like that sort of thing. Nothing like what they did on the X-Men Days of Future Past, Quicksilver for sure. I think that was a very smart decision to not yeah. try to... They did show him in slow motion a few times. And my favorite, obviously, was when he see Thor's hammer sailing by and he grabs it and he's like, oh, yeah. check this out. Yeah. But um, most of the time he was just moving quickly and I think that was smart. I think that was a really smart decision not to try to one up the Quicksilver in the X-Men movie. Well, and it was just it was I mean, the, you know, in Days of Future Past it was like let's spotlight this character by right. doing this scene. And in this movie it was like he's not a spotlight character. He is just a part of this team, you know, that's that's doing this thing. And so I think making him fit in just like everybody else I think was a, yeah, like you said a smart move. Yeah, definitely. And I loved Scarlet Witch, and it, oh yeah, just her effect—you know, her magic or whatever you want to call it—effect. 
it made me think right away, like, we're going to see something like that in the Doctor Strange movie. Or, yeah. you know, or maybe her in the Doctor Strange movie. But There's just rumor that, that that's the case. Yeah, I, didn't, I hadn't heard that, but just seeing her effect, it was like something that you would see in a Doctor Strange comic book. You know, Russell, the red sort of mist, not really mm-hmm. mist, uh, you know what I mean, that like ethereal. Yeah. Russell, you're probably arguably the most familiar with the Scarlet Witch as a comic book character out of the three of us. Uh, so how does she compare to her comic book counterpart? Uh, fa- Scarlet Witch is one of those characters where over time they kind of make her powers be what they want them to be at times. You know, at first she started out with just the, what the, she called hex bolts, where she would just kind of, you know, fire these bolts at, you know, and like, thing, you know, weird things would happen. People would slip and fall, or, you know, a machine would come apart, or things like that. And then they've kind of turned it into like, it's it's that, and reality warping, and, you know, so her powers have kind of expanded to be a lot of different things. And that's one of the things in the movie that they kind of did as well. Right. I mean, cause in the, in the beginning, she, you know, had everybody kind of seeing their, either their worst fears or their worst nightmares or, you know, kind of whatever was going to disturb them personally. But then also she, she used that power to be able to like rip physical objects apart and to, you know, slam things against the wall and, and stuff like that. So it, to me, it, it, it was, it fit, well in that respect i mean even though the you know if the powers aren't a one-to-one comparison the fact that she's not just like a uh you know person that has this power and you know like quicksilver he runs fast and moves fast and that's pretty much it with her they 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 kind of follow that path of well she can kind of do several different things and they actually it's funny they have kind of a joke about that at the end right when uh somebody is explaining their powers to steve i, I think it's black widow right it's at the Maria end hill Okay, Maria Hill, and she's like, yeah, he's fast and she's weird. Yes. You know, they really don't have an explanation for what she is. And I think early on they say she's telekinetic and telepathic, or I'm not exactly sure how they word it, but they do kind of hit on like a physical and a mental end to her powers. Yeah, she used some big $5 words when she was describing her. And that's why Steve looks at her like, can you just speak English, please? Yeah. Did she look when they finally go and these are our new Avengers at the very end of the movie, you know, right before Steve says Avengers and before he says assemble they end the movie. Did Scarlet Witch look totally different to you guys? I think her yeah, hair did was she different. She have like maybe maybe it was did, she, did her, they give her blonde hair maybe or So here's here's where so yes, her hair looked lighter and it looked different and then of course she had a little bit different costume. Do you guys remember, so this is a little inside baseball for listeners, but I forwarded a link on to you guys about, I don't know, this is about like three weeks ago maybe, and it was an interview with, I think it was Joss or it was somebody, maybe it was Feige, and they talked about Scarlet Witch, or they talked about Captain Marvel being in the movie, and it was like this weird article where they said, well, we replaced the plate that we originally had for Captain Marvel with Scarlet Witch. And they went, it was like this weird, like the way the, either the, the I think it was translated because he was in a foreign, he was either in South America or something like that. And I think it was a, it was a foreign news agency that had the story that somebody translated. So I don't know if something got lost in the translation, but, and after seeing the movie, it made sense because when they introduced everybody at the end, 
they all looked like they were in physically different spaces. They all looked like they were basically green screen composited into the same scene. Like they didn't right. look like they were in the same room. So my understanding was that the reason she looked different is because they had to come back and do almost like they had to do pickups with her to get that shot. And then originally that was a placeholder for Captain Marvel. So maybe that's why she looked as different as she did. Right. It's almost like they Paul Walkered her face onto somebody else. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. And the hair it was mainly the hair and I think yeah. her her hair was like perfectly straight and a lot darker and then when they showed her at the end it was like almost like dirty blonde and curly. It was it was odd. It was a little off-putting, but it was such a quick shot that it didn't really well, give you them, time. All of them, like they all yeah. show up and it was yeah. like here they come one by one and then when they cut to the wide shot it's like there's so much gap between them it was like wow they really uh <laughs> they had a big green screen room and just kind of shot them all and then composited them in huh let's talk about the vision yes how cool was the vision uh the vision was about 100 times cooler than i thought the vision was going to be yeah same here paul bettany is is a wonderful actor i've always liked him um but just everything about the guy, it just worked for me. It was like he was brand new, but I understood him in 30 seconds. I got him. You know, it was just, especially the the bit when he, when everybody's very suspicious of him, they're like, how mm -hmm. are we going to trust you? And, and before they know it, he's holding Thor's hammer out to him. Like, come on, take this. We got to go. And everybody's shocked. And they're like, okay, yeah, I guess he's, I guess he's uh, trustable. If none of us could lift the dang hammer, and he can, I mean that was that was just wonderful. When yeah, go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. I, I was just trying to, you know, it, it's funny. There was, it, it, there was a little civil war stuff going on throughout this movie, right? Yeah. And I was almost trying to figure out because Rhodey clearly sides with Tony. Sure. So, and that's a that's a no brainer. And obviously, Captain America is on the other side. And it almost to me seemed like, all right, Thor is backing Tony now because this thing that he created is worthy, which obviously means it's cool. You you know what I mean? Like, right. it almost it almost showed me what side Thor would be on, but I don't think that's necessarily how it's going to play out. Certainly, in the comics, Thor was not on the side of. Uh, Tony, I think Thor was dead and they cloned him. Spoiler it was Clore. But, right, Clore. <laughs> but uh, it's funny because, you know, there were a lot of setups to future movies thrown in here. And I thought they were kind of lining up the Civil War sides for a minute there. Especially that the conversation between Tony and Cap out at the woodpile. Yes. Right. And, and then cap it off with... You know, them explaining to Cap, it's like, you know, Ultron wants to, you know, dest destroy the world, it, you know, create a better place by destroying, you know, the humans. Where do you think he gets that idea from? And then it, like, clicked in Steve. It's like, oh, yeah. So then they, you know, and then, of course, they have the big fight. And I thought, okay, here we go. You know, when they started kind of drawing lines and taking sides, I thought, okay, this is this is it. This is how this is going to end, uh, you know, with them, with them taking, taking each other's sides like that. And then, 
once Thor kind of came in, he kind of played the peacemaker, and everybody kind of understood at that point. It, I I don't mean to jump away from uh from Vision. Well, all right, let me let me start with I have two problems. Let's start with Vision. Can you lay out exactly what's going on with the mind stone that's in the stone that's in the scepter? Yes. That is a computer. But so, okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to to, to jump on. No, you. all I was going to do was muddle it further. So one of the things that I, I've been thinking is we've been both right and wrong about the scepter. So there's been a lot of talk that the scepter is the mind gem, the scepter is the mind gem, and I or the the, the stone in the scepter is the mind gem, and I'm like, mm, I don't think so. I've been a big, I don't think that's right because, and when you look at Guardians of the Galaxy. And you look at that promo shot they did of of Thanos with the glove, and you look at all the colors of the stones. There's not two blue stones. We know that the Tesseract is is one of them. And then when you look in Guardians and and the Collector's given his speech, they show all of the six gems. And again, there's not two stones that are blue. Um. So when they explain the scepter. And then they crack it open, and it has that yellow stone inside. I was like, voila. Like, to me, that was a huge revelation. To me, that was like, this all makes sense. So it is the it is the mind gem. It was the mind gem powering whatever this device was they were using to act as a weapon and to control uh, to control minds. So so it kind of had like a like a multi multi purpose, I guess I guess you could say. So my my guess my question is for who. So Loki built it, no. so he would have. Thanos gave Loki the scepter, like so. I, I guess he was trying to use, and you know who knows how this eventually plays out. But I'm guessing Thanos figured, okay, I've got this stone. I need to get these other stones. So I give Loki this thing and manipulate him into getting me the other one, which is the Tesseract, and then I'll have two because. At that point, I can easily take this thing away from Loki that that I gave him. Gotcha. That's my uh, that's complete speculation, but and further evidence that that was the mind gem is just the way Loki was able to use the scepter in the first Avengers movie. You know, he played with everybody's minds. He sure, right. and he, in this movie, yeah. Doctor What's her name got the same right. exactly. Doctor Cho, yeah, yeah. But when that when it cracked open and the yellow one came out, I was like, oh, okay. That was yeah. That was a holy crap moment for me yeah. because I was like, okay, now they've 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 explained it. Because if if it if it ended up being that that blue stone was the mind gem, I was like, wait a minute, that doesn't jive with what they've what they've shown. So once they did that, I was like, okay. It also kind of going back to back to vision. So the fact that they're using the vibranium combined with you know a synthetic body combined with the mind gem, which kind of has its own mystical properties and then you know this whole artificial intelligence thing it made the vision a more believable character for me right i think i think what we're going to find out though is that and i think i was talking to this about uh, talking to uh, john about this the other day um what's going to happen is you know because at this point we had heard it was a rumor that um you know the um vision was going to get a gem or whatever and so my thought is that at the end of or in the infinity war movies thanos was going to 
have to take the mind gem off of the vision and we're going to think that's going to kill him but he's not going to die he's going to end up being alive which means you know he was always a living being from the beginning even before he had the mind gem i think yeah, i could see that i think that's yeah. just going to be like a big revelation with you know with the vision at at the at the end of the infinity war but it still makes sense you know that you know cuz we've always heard the brain is a, a computer you know, John, you said it was a computer, it was a gem, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's just the way it, it was represented. Um, you know, the... Um, yeah, even when they show, like, the schematic, they right. say, oh, it's like the synapse is firing. It right. looks like a brain, you know. I, yeah. And so it's just going to be one of those, I think, at the end of Infinity War, it's just going to be one of those moments that, you know, like he's one one step closer to being human which is you know what the vision has always wanted anyways yeah now one of the things so i will admit in in the two and a half hour movie i had to step out to use the restroom you old man yeah i know i know um so i saw the part where you know thor goes and gets selvig and we'll talk about his visions and and all that in, in a little bit but he kind of explained that so, did they explain what the deal was with Thor, why he came, what information he gained that he had to come back and realize that Vision, they that they had to go through with with creating Vision? Like, what, what the, like, did I miss that little bit there? When he, when the Scarlet Witch messed with his mind in the first place, he had the Vision. Everybody had their Visions. And then after that, when they get to Hawkeye's place, Thor's about to leave and... Cap says, right. what's up? And he says, I saw something in my vision and I need answers and I can't find them here. So obviously he went to find uh, Selvig. Yeah, Selvig. Yeah, that, and that's another part that I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but right. getting Selvig and going to that cave, that seemed like it was just chopped to pieces. Like we never even saw the woman that we saw in the trailer that probably would have explained that cave a little better. Oh, I forgot I, about that woman. See, so that must be the bit I missed then when I was taking my personal yeah, bio break. They go they go to the the hidden cave with the water and he gets in and Oh yeah, I didn't see that at all. And yeah. see he gets in the water and sees more of the vision his 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 uh vision that the Scarlet Witch made him see and he saw longer flashes of all the infinity stones it was very piecemeal but they were little longer clips uh than what we saw the first time i think that it was only like only a couple of frames of a flash of of all the stones the very first time he had that vision when scarlet witch messed with him but anyway he he went there to get to um to get help from selvig to find this water place that he could go and and reconnect with his vision and Russ, that's literally the explanation that you missed. Yeah. Oh wow. He shows up to get Selvig. He's like, "I need your help. It's dangerous." I saw, yeah, I saw that. Selvig's like, "I would be disappointed if it wasn't." And right. then, like, they show up at this cave, and as they're walking into the cave, the conversation's like, "This the water, and this is Thor talking now." So he knew nothing a minute ago when he when he needed Selvig's help. Now he's explaining. You know, so the water in this cave will allow me to return to my dreams. It made, like, very little sense. Mm. Then the next thing you know, he's in the water. He has the dream again. And now he knows, like Brad said, in that dream, 
there's like a glimpse of the infinity glove with the stones in it that they show you for like a second. Okay. And then he, you know, he came back with that information, I guess. It was just or, enough to, to let him know that the vision was key to what was going yeah, on. Yeah, was very okay. important. He needed to exist. So kind of like they're doing later this year with the rogue cut for Days of Future Past, are we going to get the Thor cut for <laughs> Age of Ultron? Which... It's very possible. I, you know, I think the movie was a good length. Like, I see why they cut it down. Sure. But certain parts just seemed uh, a little choppy, and, and this was this was one of them for me. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it. it uh, I also think that the. Well, what was interesting is we get we get Wakanda mentioned by name. I mean, they they make a point of saying, you know, that this metal came from, you know, that vibranium it came from Wakanda. He Cap even makes a comment of say to Steve, um, or to Tony, you know, I thought your father got all of it, you know, and and you know they 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 call back to that. So again, we get kind of these clues to Black Panther, who's obviously going to show up we know for sure is going to show up in civil war, which I'm sure has something to do with, you know, based on what we know here. Um, but I thought, again, I thought that was kind of a cool, you know, another Easter egg they threw out there and something for us to grab onto. There were a lot of little references like that all over the place, you know, references to future things, references to, you know, when, um, at the party, when cap and Falcon are talking, he's like, if I don't know, it's going to be a firefighter. I would have called you. And, Falcon was like, nah, it's cool, man. I'm happy just dealing with, uh, uh, you know, leads on our missing persons case. You know, so that was him investigating the Winter Soldier, you know, without saying his name. Oh, that's interesting. See, I didn't, that's totally the answer. That's totally the missing person that he's looking for. Yeah. I thought it was missing persons. Well, he did say persons, plural. See, I thought, well... I thought it was all of the people that Hydra was experimenting on that they were trying to find. Like there was missing powered people that they were trying to track down. Okay, well. No, it makes totally more sense yeah. that it's Winter Soldier that he's looking for. Definitely. Yeah, and then that, that's what, um, that's definitely what I, what registered for me. Even the first time I saw the movie, I was like, oh, he's talking about, you know, their previous adventure together. Right, because it kind of makes sense the other way only because they got these hundred beds that they were talking about on S.H.I.E.L.D. and they're trying to find all these people and Hydra was doing the experiments and that would be where they put them when they find them and it kind of all made sense in my head that way too, but he definitely was talking about Bucky. <laughs> yeah, maybe he should have said person, singular, but, but he did say persons, plural. And I kind of, I guess since we brought up Bucky and, and Falcon and stuff, I was kind of disappointed. Like, there were a lot of rumors that we were going to get, like, a bunch of different heroes in, like, the big finale of this movie, and everybody was going to come together and fight Ultron, and we kind of got it at the end with Falcon and War Machine, and but we didn't get, like, a Black Panther. We didn't... We kind of knew we weren't going to get Captain Marvel, but were you disappointed at all that we didn't get a look at something? Not really, because... There was already enough going on in this movie. You know, I didn't know War Machine was going to be in it. I didn't expect Falcon to be in it. And just the fact that they brought them in, and even, you know, Selvig from the Thor universe, um, there was a lot going on with this movie. And then the two, yeah. the, then, then the twins, you know. The, so there was plenty of new stuff. I didn't need any more new stuff. Um, 
they, and they, I, they tease the future with the mention of Wakanda. So there, yeah. were, there was plenty of, of, of stuff to keep me occupied and I wasn't disappointed. It was neat to see Falcon and, and War Machine, you know, participating in the battle. And, and just like in, you know, in the real world, you, you're going to spread your forces out. You're not going to all keep them in one place. So the Falcon was off doing his thing and War Machine was off doing his thing. So I, yeah. I was happy with it. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't disappointed in the slightest. I, I even thought it was a little unnecessary that they explained why Jane and Pepper weren't at the party or whatever. Well, I think that was just a a, a good scene, you know, the macho testosterone. Yeah, no, scene. It, it worked. It was, fine, it was humorous. Yeah, it seemed a little too on the nose for me. Yeah, I guess that's what the it's like, phrase I was looking for. It's like we know they're not here, so let's make a point of overly explaining why they're not here. Like I, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's you're kind of like you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like if you don't explain it, then people are like, how come they didn't mention Pepper or Jane? You know that you know how how could that be? You know, especially since you know once again they did this movie with Thor and there's no Jane. So, uh, so I guess I guess it's just one of those things they just had to do. Yeah. I think it's time to talk Hulkbuster. Yes, um, or Veronica. Yeah, as, that was awesome. As she is called. Uh, yeah, I was... The fact that they launched it from space, uh, the fact that Bruce helped design it, <laughs> uh, the fact that it carries its own spare parts, I mean, how much more awesome could they put in this thing? That was so great. I mean, you mentioned it before about how if you watch the action scenes you know, over and over, you're going to pick up more stuff. That part when his arm gets messed up by the Hulk and he kind of like ejects the old arm and the new one comes. And it's like a jackhammer. Yeah, that was great. And he even that said, he even said, uh, Veronica, give me a hand. Like he knew he was yeah. going to need a replacement. You know, I thought that was wonderful. And then it, I think, um, I don't know if it was before the replacement or after the replacement, but then it also became like a trap that trapped the Hulk's fist. Yeah, that's where it started. So to me, it was like, okay, while he's assembling this thing and the rest of it's coming together, I need something to stall him for just a few minutes so he doesn't right. like tear me up while I'm getting into this thing, um, which was cool because then he just you know went below it. But go to sleep, 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 go to sleep. That was, that awesome. was awesome. That got a lot of laughs in the theater. Yes. There was a couple of times when I really thought he might have knocked Hulk unconscious. Which, of course, we know could never happen. Because yeah, Hulk is the strongest one there is. That's right. Yes. So and we got a puny banner reference, too. That was yes. nice. Yes. I guess the only other nitpick I have, and again, it sounds like I'm I'm putting way more focus on the on the negatives than, than are due. But just, you know, if we're going to be critical of something, it, you know, be, we'll be critical. Um the fact that a couple of times, like, so everybody clears out of this, like, 30-story building except four people on the 10th floor, like, in a room somewhere. I'm like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> that and the fact that, okay, you're you're on a bridge, and the bridge is mostly tearing away, and I'm just going to stay in my car that's sitting towards the end of this bridge and not get out. I was like, what? That was actually uh, the best 3D part for me when the... When the car, when Cap grabs the bumper, yes, and then the car falls down, yes, and it's interesting because you know 3D, you usually think of the things that are flying at you, but in that case, it was like showing the depth, you know, going away from you, yeah, 
I thought that was great effect. Did you see it in 3D, Russ? I did. So I saw it. Yeah, I guess we, I don't know that we talked about uh, how we saw it. So I saw it in IMAX 3D, which uh, John and I were kind of talking offline about this. I, I, I don't know if it was a bad theater or I was just at a bad viewing angle, but um, the 3D for me was not very good at all. There was a lot of problems I had with images not being in focus and just a lot of blurriness, which I mean, in general, when there's a lot of action and you're not, you know, doing it at 60 frames per second, like Peter Jackson, sometimes the 3D kind of obfuscates and blurs out some of the, some of the heavy action. Um, But so I was a little disappointed with it. And again, like I said, I was sitting like kind of far off to one side uh, and it wasn't a, even though the screen was a full IMAX screen, it wasn't a very large uh, audience uh, amphitheater. So even though I was midway up, I was still fairly low, uh, low, you know, to the ground. So I wasn't really happy with the presentation of seeing the movie. So I'm looking forward to just seeing it in 2D, digitally projected in a theater uh, sometime soon. I saw it in 2D twice, um, two different theaters, two different size screens, both non-IMAX. I'm not a fan of IMAX. Uh, it's too big for me. I don't like feeling like I'm at a tennis match when I'm watching a movie. Um, that's been my experience with an IMAX theater. I realize they're not all the same, but uh, but I I was uh, pleasantly uh, I was pleased with both of my viewings as far as uh, <clears throat> you know not fighting 3D glasses and sometimes those give me a headache. And my older daughter refuses to see 3D movies because they they give her a bad headache but um it, it didn't bother me that it was 2d i mean that's what we're used to you know it was great How, how'd you see it john i saw it in imax 3d hmm. i liked it fine i thought i thought it was a good movie to see in imax like the hulkbuster battle and stuff was awesome on the giant screen right. um i thought the 3d was take it or leave it you know that one scene that i mentioned was really good I don't remember anything else standing out as, wow, you know, cool 3D moment there. You know, it was pretty standard. What do you guys think of Fury? He's always awesome. I mean, it's <laughs> it's always great to see him. He seems like he's getting less and less to do as the movies roll on. But uh, Are we supposed to, to think that the Avengers all knew that he was still alive? Yeah. I, I think so. I, I mean, we you know we know that Cap and Widow knew, Hill knew, so therefore I you know assume Tony knew, because he sure um, didn't act surprised that. And obviously he, Barton knew. He knew he he act, acted surprised that Fury was there, but he w- certainly wasn't surprised that he was alive. Right. So I I thought that actually Barton was talking to Fury when he was on the phone and not talking to his wife. I did too. And that, you know, that was obviously was meant to be that way. Sure. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, wait a minute. And he does say, uh, not that it matters. It could have been like code words with Fury too, but he says, you know, I, I answer to you, ma'am or yeah, whatever. He, like he definitely identified that it was a woman. Yes, he right. did. He did. And, and I think that was another supposed to throw us, uh, uh, you know, again, because even, yeah. even earlier in the movie, he says, I don't have a girlfriend. Yeah. But then after the phone call, Cap's like, who's that? And he's like, my girlfriend. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, again, I didn't mind the the surprise family at all. 
I thought it was cool. No, yeah. did you, I didn't did you mind all, it. Did you I was recognize just the, like... uh, the woman, his wife? You know who that was? Linda Cardellini. Mm-hmm. Velma from the Scooby-Doo movie. Sure. She was on <laughs> long stint on ER, and she, she was on uh, Netflix did a series called Bloodline that they put out recently. She's been on that. She's been in a lot of, a lot of stuff. But uh, it's funny because we talked a few weeks ago when they, when they formally announced that casting of her and um, Julie Duppy. That yeah, she she pretty much played who we thought she would, and we're completely baffled as who Cardellini was playing. So that was a cool surprise. The um, the other Hydra guy that was not Strucker, List, um, was he in Shield at all? Yes, that's what and, I I thought yeah. I'd seen him in. I was like, that guy's been in Agents of Shield. I know I've seen him somewhere, and I but then I started thinking maybe it was a previous. You know, maybe it was a previous cat movie or whatever, but I was yeah. He's the one that escaped out of the base after after right. Shield showed up at the end of the last episode. Right, that's what I thought. Okay, good. That's good to clear that up. I have no more questions, Your Honor. <laughs> the helicarrier showing up was nice. It didn't crash. That's that, good. That one guy in the suit, trying. You know, he obviously was a suit and tie guy. He wasn't an agent. He Fury even said, "I got some, you know, some subs or whatever." And the one guy was trying to come up with a a clever way of saying locked and loaded or whatever. Yeah, yeah. right. That was pretty funny. Yeah. So I, I let's talk about the the costume upgrades. So obviously Cap his costume very much reminiscent of his Winter Soldier costume just with the red, white and blue. Um I like the the whole magnetic. We talked about this a little bit before the magnetic, you know, thing with the shield so he can grab it, grab onto it with his arm. Um, Widow got the crazy electric suit with the stun batons. Yeah. I didn't I like Cap's new outfit. Oh, I do. I, I like it. I like it a lot better than the other one. Um, Banner got stretchy pants, basically. Which was cool. I liked uh, Tony's, you know, his newest Mark, whatever it was. The Mark um, 45 was pretty sweet, man. Is that the one he had... walked out of and put on sentry mode? No, that was the 43. That so. was pretty awesome. You yeah. got to admit that was pretty awesome to see it open up and him just walk yes. out of it. Yeah. The 43 was just a little bit. So the 42 was the Iron Man 3 armor with the most more gold than than red, which I wasn't right. really that much of a fan of. Neither was I. Um this one had a little more red than than the 42 did, but but not quite as much as what normally does. And the 44 of course was the Hulkbuster. And the forty five was the was the armor he showed up at the end, which that had like a it was like a deeper red and had a lot more red. I don't know, it just looked really good. It, it looked sleeker. It looked a little more form fitting. I just I really I think that's probably maybe my favorite armor so far is that is that forty five. It's really it was really sweet. And then we he's got a new AI, so he doesn't have Jarvis anymore. He has Friday. Yeah, and she's got what an Irish accent. Yeah, Irish so, or Scottish or something. It's yeah. weird. So, yeah. What? So at first, at first, you know who I thought that was. Um, you guys, uh, being both of you, have daughters. Um, the, the lady that that did the voice for Brave, um, Kelly McDonald. Yeah, and she was also in Boardwalk Empire. She played the main. Um, she she played the main character in Boardwalk Empire, um, and she has that that Scottish accent. I really thought that was her because it sounded just like her. Um, but it's actually Carrie Condon who is she's Irish, um, and the she was most recently in Better Call Saul. She played Stacey Ehrmantraut. She played 
uh, Mike's daughter-in-law. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, she was in Rome. Did you? Either you guys ever see that HBO series Rome? No, no. Uh, she was in. She was in Rome. Uh, much much younger uh, than her, but yeah, she she was. Uh, she's Friday, which I thought was kind of fitting for for Tony to have a. UI called Friday. I wouldn't have minded the accent if it was consistent, but it seemed like it was there one minute and it wasn't the next. Hmm. I don't know. I, I didn't. I, I, to me, it seemed it seemed solid. One touch uh, again about little things in the action that you may have missed when when Hawkeye is like giving the pep talk to Scarlet Witch. Somebody shoots through the wall and and pokes some holes in the wall, and he shoots an arrow right back out the hole that was created. <laughs> yes, and then you can hear like the Ultron getting hit on the other side and like yes. fizzling out. That was cool. I, I just like the whole bit, you know, where he goes with the egos, and I'm fighting a bunch of robots. Yeah, and I have a bow and arrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or when he when the uh, Quicksilver uh, whisks. Uh, Scarlet Witch away and says, "Try to keep up, old man." And he he draws an arrow back and he's like, "Nobody would know." Yes, yes. And then he, and then starts, he starts muttering to yeah. himself as he's walking. <laughs> I also liked. Uh, I was at the beginning when um, Iron Man shoots a bunch of Hydra agents. Or he says, "We got to have a you know we we need to talk." And then he shoots them all in the knees or whatever, and they all fall. And he's like, "Good talk." And you can hear one of them go, "No, it wasn't." <laughs> yes, yes. There was a lot of humor in this movie, a lot of really good stuff. And then the whole bit with the language, I thought that was that was kind of funny where where Tony starts off and he, he says something and then and then Steve says language and then they just give him nothing but a bunch of crap the rest of the movie about how he's yeah. like Mr. Straight and Arrow and Gosh darn. Yeah, I just thought that was that was that was kind of funny that they're picking the picking on him. A little I thought bit. the best one was Maria Hill after the party when they were sitting around. She's like, "Oh, he's using bad language words." Yes, yeah, language yes. words. Yeah, that's pretty funny. The only humor I probably didn't love was when Ultron did it. That yeah. that was that was a weird choice. Um, you know, he he he. I wanted... get that he's supposed to be Tony. Yeah. To an extent, like his whole, not that he's supposed to be Tony, but everything he knows is through Tony. And they even mention at one point he says, what, uh, make your enemies rich and your friends richer or something like that. And they're like, Tony Stark always says that. I think Claw said it. You know, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brad. But I don't know. Like, I know it's supposed to be Tony, but I just didn't think that Ultron should be cracking as many jokes as he as he did. Well, I was going to say about the same thing. Um, Yeah, he got. You know, he got that's why he hated so much Tony so much is as the vision says he hates you the most because he basically, you know, Tony birthed him basically um, unintentionally, however. But it, 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 it the laughter was and was a little, a little off putting. And even at the end, when the, the Hulk uh, jumps up and grabs the ship as he's flying away and he goes, oh, for God's sake. I mean, that just was very to me, very un. Uh, Ultron like it was yeah. um, a little like, too slapstick maybe it, it was like yeah, yeah he he was born of human but he's trying to evolve you know he changes his appearance he wanted a new body why wouldn't he why wouldn't he leave stuff like that behind as well you know unnecessary uh, humor or laughter or, or you know unnecessary in, in quotation fingers um, 
it it did seem strange to to have him still doing that. Yeah, I like the way they ended Ultron though. That he had that last body he was in, and him and the Vision face off, and they kind of had that little conversation. And then Vision is just like, "Yep, I got to do it. I got to do it." He just obliterates him um, as a way to kind of end that. I, I thought that was—I I don't know—I just thought that was a cool way to handle that. Yeah, it was cool, and it really just—they've really powered Vision up in a hurry. Yeah, you know, like Vision is badass. You know, we got—we <laughs> got that idea quickly from the Hammer, and even just the way he could take out Ultron. You know, he's just. Uh, He's he's a heavy hitter on this team. Yeah. That was a big what the moment. I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit before, but when he just casually picks up that hammer and just like, I'm like, what, 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 what just, you know, like what just happened? It's funny because as I yawn, um, it's funny because when I was watching the hammer scene in the party, I was still enjoying it. But a part of me was saying, why did they show us this in the trailer? You know, yeah. like this is such a great scene, and then you realize that it doesn't matter. It's the, it's yes. part one of the of the hammer bit. Yeah, it was the setup for the, the payoff. Yes, at the end. Well, the funny bit at the end was when, and this is where I think the Civil War part kind of falls. The, the, well, for me, this the whole Civil War rivalry kind of like died down a little bit. Is when you have. You have Cap, you have Thor, and you have Tony, and they're all walking when Tony's getting ready to leave and Thor's getting ready to leave. And and uh, Cap's, they start talking about the, the hammer again, about not being able to pick up the hammer. And he's like, he's like, so just so we're clear, you know, that whole, just so we're clear. So Vision isn't really alive. He's a he's a robot. So that's why he was able to pick it up. That doesn't mean right, he's worthy. Right. And then they talk about, like, if Thor puts his hammer in an elevator and the elevator goes up, the elevator's not worthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the they, elevator still goes up. They can't let it go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, that was, that was funny. That was probably when Vision just picked up the hammer and held it out. That was probably my favorite part of the movie. You know, yeah, that it, was like cut your crap, let's get going. Yeah, I was just like, what? And you know, it was a, it was there was no absolutely no question after that that they needed to trust the vision. I mean, yeah. they they had no reason to believe him. And how in the world is he gonna make them believe? You know, all he can do is just be honest and you know. But they were they all tried to lift, with the exception of Scarlet Witch. They all tried to lift that hammer. Oh, and by the way, when when Banner starts to lift the hammer and he can't, and then he just like almost fake hulks out at the end. Yeah. He's like, ah, that was great too. Yes. Heavy giggling, but uh, yeah, you know. But but when they all sit there and the watch him just pick it up, and you don't even see him pick it up. He it just cuts to him and he's holding it. Yeah. He's just holding it straight out, and yeah. they're all like, even Thor's like, well, I guess he's good. You know, yeah. I'm good with him. You guys got to be guys... good with him too. So I had to step away for a minute earlier. Did you guys have the conversation about what Thor's vision's vision means and you know knowing what's coming up and did you kind of get the vibe that you know obviously this is this is Ragnarok like he is seeing Ragnarok coming and that's what's got him so disturbed? Yeah, I mean we didn't we didn't talk about it, but I I agree that that was sort of our little glimpse at Ragnarok. And I guess we got plenty of glimpses of uh of Infinity War in here as well. And a little bit of Wakanda. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the only thing that wasn't referenced at all was Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really weird, being that it's coming up next. I 
I, I've said this before, but I really think Ant-Man is just one of those things where it's like, you know, we're too far down the path. We've got too much money sunk in. We've got everybody committed. Uh, I don't think they had any clue that things would be as crazy popular and a juggernaut as this Marvel machine is when they finally greenlit this thing. And now they're just like, look, we just got to do this and get it out so we can move on. I, I, I think they'll incorporate Ant-Man into future movies. I don't think like that's the last we're going to see. I don't think we're going to see an Ant-Man sequel. I mean, unless the thing just, just blows away the box office, which I don't see, see happening. Um, I don't think it's going to do poorly, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, a seven, $800 million worldwide blockbuster either. Right. I mean, even Paul Rudd is like, I've seen him on a couple shows doing press and he's very, some of it I thought was being self-deprecating and some of it is he's almost like, like if I were Marvel, I would be calling his agent and pulling him back a little bit. Cause some of the stuff he's saying is, is not even self-deprecating anymore. He's like, yeah, I get it. You know, this character's kind of dumb, but it, there's some humor in it and it's Marvel. So it was fun to do. Even you know, in the, even in the trailer, he makes fun of himself, basically. Right, right. But this is like I know. this is like even more so than than like it's it's yeah. I can't even explain it, but it's just no. I see cool. what you're saying. Yeah, but we'll see. How about I think. How about the Stan Lee cameo? That was pretty funny. Actually, yeah, this one worked pretty. Well. Yeah, this one worked pretty well with uh, again in that party. Yeah, he talked about, you know, being on Omaha, you know, beach. We survived Omaha Beach. Yeah. Quit trying to scare us, Goldilocks. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Blondie, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. What do you think about the de- decision to kill off uh, Quicksilver? I don't like it. I didn't either. I mean. I don't think it was necessary. Yeah, I. Halfway... I, I think they could have. I think they could have just had him be injured or shot and survive and it would have had the same effect. Well, I figured they'd uh they'd lead us to believe he was dead, much like they did with Coulson or whatever, but because of his fast metabolism, he heals quickly and he didn't die. Something like that. Next yeah. time on the Flash. Yeah. yeah I would yeah. have I would have liked to have seen more more of that Quicksilver. I mean, I I think that's the point too, Brad. Like you're killing a character that we don't really know yet. So you're yeah. not getting any bang for it. Yeah. And and like I said, he ended up... I, I liked his character more than I thought I would. I yeah. thought the actor did a, did a good job, and I thought he was written well, you know, with the little jokes and being a pain in the neck to Hawkeye and the relationship with his sister. And I liked him better than I thought I would, so it's kind of disappointing that, you know, we won't... We, he had very little screen time, really, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, the accents to me were a little. They were off, hokey. weren't they? Yeah, they weren't. They weren't that great, to be honest with you. But I mean, that again, we're talking nitpick, nitpick to nitpick. This may I know. Be... I, I did say that to myself though. I was like, man, we got to hear uh, what's her name do this Russian accent now. Yeah, yeah. Did y'all notice uh, when um, Hawkeye's baby was born? When they skyped. Uh, Natasha, you could see the baby boy, Nathaniel. Yeah. Did you notice uh, the middle name? Pietro. Yeah, Peter, yeah Pietro. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Nathan Pietro Maximoff. Yeah. Or Nathan Pietro Barton. Yeah. Right. That was a good. That was cool. Yeah. The um, when Ultron 
This is the other part that I think dragged for me right after the party. When the twins go to meet Ultron, I guess, or when they kind of have the twins walk in on Ultron. Oh, and, and they he kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's on that, like, throne with the hood on. Yeah. I believe his in his first um, comic appearance, I think he was, like, the Crimson Cowl or something like that. And, yeah. like,. Nobody knew it was Ultron yet, and it was right. a guy in a red hood type thing. Um, so that, I think, was a little throwback to, to his first appearance, which is cool. I think it was the Crimson Cowl, the Red Cowl, or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Uh, there was something else in the... Uh, oh, and, and um, Ulysses Claw losing the hand is kind of like a big comic deal. Sure. Because Claw is his, you know, then his alias is Claw, K-L-A-W, and his one arm is like a, sh- like a, not a shotgun, like a ray gun or something, right? I don't, I don't know the it's character like a, well, like but. A, like a sonic inducer or something right. like that. Right, shoot like sonic waves. Different. Yeah, it's right. like a cone. Wasn't he a big deal in the original Secret Wars? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was in this, yeah. With Doom. Yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff in this movie that that made people like the three of us really happy. And, and Brad, I know Russ might've missed it during his bathroom break. Um, when they went to that cave, did we get a specific line that the cave was in Wakanda? No, I see, sort I, of like no. in my mind made up. It was in Wakanda. No, I, I think it was, beat, so I, it, I didn't have any, I don't think we were given any reason to think it wasn't anywhere but England. You know, that's because that's where he went to get Selvig right, from. Right, yeah. The University of London, I think is what that on-screen key said. Yeah. I didn't That whole thing was weird. Yeah, I man. didn't there was definitely some things cut out of that. I didn't we weren't given any we weren't given any indication of where they went, how far they had to go if it was a day trip. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. It was just... I might have just thought it was Wakanda from that clip in the trailer that we didn't end up getting. Yeah. Because I guess the lady was, like, African-American looking, and we put together that it could have been Wakanda. And... Yeah. We got little Haley Atwell in there. That You know, that was, like, Steve's... Yeah, that was nice. Scramble. That was cool. And seeing um, Heimdall was pretty cool also. I, it's funny because... They must have had called him back, and he must have said, like, I'll come back and film, but I ain't wearing that friggin' hat. Like, I am not putting yeah. the headpiece on, <laughs> so you better figure it out, because <laughs> you got me for two days, and that's it. Because it looked funny seeing him without the, you know, Heimdall headpiece on. I, Thor even says, your eyes. Yeah. And then, uh, more Widow, ba- I mean, again, more Widow backstory just kind of reinforced what we've what we pretty much pieced together about her again dovetails into nicely what we knew about what we found out in agents of shield or in agent Carter with that whole program. So wait a second. Is that the same program? It's not explicitly said, but yeah, we're pretty sure it might as well have been, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's all connected guys. It is. That's right. Yes. I had a mile-long list in my head of things to mention, and I'm sure we've mentioned most of them. I'll say we talked about quite a bit at this point. Everybody had a moment to shine in this movie. You know, it was really nice. Yeah. 
Hawkeye. Tearing up, tearing up the box office. That's for sure. It's supposed to make like twenty billion dollars, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, so one hundred billion. That's right. Sorry. Did you put your finger up by your mouth when you said that? <laughs> I did. I totally did. <laughs> Apparently, so when Avengers came out in 2012, the the Thursday night haul was like 18.7 million, and they're saying for all Age of Ultron, it's 27.6 million. Well, and you got to remember, they didn't start showing movies at seven and eight o'clock. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, only that's the thing. I only think some like of this until just, last year or so. Right. I think some of this is just slid forward. You know, obviously, if you're seeing it at seven, you're probably not in the. You know, you would have normally been in that crowd that would have seen it. You know, at midnight or whatever. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're thinking their original estimates were like 200, 210. I think they're thinking now this could go north of 250 for the three day weekend, which is insane. Um, just crazy. So we'll be we'll be tracking that over the coming weeks uh, on the show for sure, as it as it looks to beat Fast Seven as the quickest movie to a billion dollars. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think. I'll put you guys on the spot. You can think about it while I talk. If I have to rearrange my top five, I'm still Winter Soldier number one. I think I pro- I like this better than Guardians of the Galaxy. I like this better than the first Avengers. So this is going to end up two. Then Avengers, then Guardians of the Galaxy, and then Iron Man 2 is my number five. So there. Now we will edit the silence as Russ and Brad. Well, I can go ahead and talk. I um, I am unable to rank them at this point <laughs> because it's too it it's not fair, you know, to see a movie this fresh, having only seen it once or twice, against several movies that you've seen more than once. I don't, you know, and and having had the chance to think about and analyze, and this one is still fresh, and you haven't had as long to live with this one as you have the others. So I refuse to rank them at this point until Age of Ultron has settled in my brain pan for a while. I will, if you want to be a baby about it. I will go bold. Will. And I'll say, the first Avengers is still number one for me. Uh, it, Like I mentioned before, number two is Winter Soldier. Uh, this one is probably third, I would say, at least at this point. Like Brad said, it's still like I would literally walked out of the movie theater 24 hours ago. Uh, then I would say the first Captain America, and then fifth I would say Iron Man, the first Iron Man. So you don't have Guardians in your top five? No, no. I think it'd be six. Uh, like after Iron Man, I think I think Guardians is sixth. I really and you know again it's like you know put your children in order that you like them the most, you know, kind of thing. It's, it's, that's easy. <laughs> yeah. I've only got two to make a list out of. Yeah. So me here, me too. But, um, it, yeah, it's just, it's the, the, the margin between, I think the top three is so slim. It, it's just, it's, it's like razor's edge kind of, kind of slim. All right. If you have to pin me down, I'll say Dolph Lundgren Punisher was the first. <laughs> Great movie. Good night, folks. Thomas Jane Director's Cut Punisher number two. Yes. Punisher Warzone number three. The Daredevil Followed by Director's Blade Cut. Trilogy. I mean, uh, Trinity. Then we'll rumors. Talk about- we're not going to do rumors and news, but there are Netflix Punisher rumors that are heating up. From your yeah, lips to God's ears. I've, I've got a lot of... I've got several in the news hopper 
uh, that aren't really time sensitive, thankfully. Um, Daredevil, Netflix rumors uh, surrounding Daredevil and some of the other stuff. So hopefully within the next couple weeks here, we'll get another Daredevil show under our belt and we can talk about that. Um, but I think, unless you guys disagree, and I know we kind of we kind of talked about it informally, Ken and I mentioned it on the last show. I think what we're gonna do with Daredevil is like split it up and just do like three episodes on Daredevil and not go episode by episode because it's too impossible to talk about one episode in a bubble knowing what's happened with the others and you can't really speculate on things because you already know and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, and I think it's we were planning on doing more Daredevil stuff, but I think until Agents of Shield is over, it's gonna be hard for us to. To do anything between shows. Yeah, and we've got a bit of a break. So they're doubling up on the last episode of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, you know, we'll in two weeks, basically, we'll be done with S.H.I.E.L.D. Then, really, there's not much until Ant-Man, which is July. So we've pretty much got the end of May and all of June and the first part of July that we can, you know, do all kinds of stuff. We can cover Daredevil. We can, you know, talk a lot of news. We can go through a lot of feedback that we may have combed over. Uh in the past few weeks. Uh, that's another thing we we're not, I think we're going to save the feedback till next episode as well. Cause we're, we're approaching two hours at this point, which is pretty long for us. So I think we're going to, we appreciate everybody's feedback on the Facebook group. And I think maybe we'll lead next episode with, with some feedback. Uh, Cause the news at this point is in general is, is pretty, there's not a lot going on, um, you know, as far as new news goes. So I think we'll, we'll save the feedback for next episode and then we'll talk about agents of shield and whatever else is going on. Yeah, that sounds good. So there's still time, folks, if you want to talk about Age of Ultron and haven't seen it or, uh, or get us some feedback that you didn't get in prior, um, head on over to the Facebook page and, and certainly do that. Yeah, right on. We got a lot of uh, good momentum on the old Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, we really do. And uh, lots of likes. We got a, We had another like surge, so we've, we've surpassed 300, so keep them rolling. Tell your friends and family and share. Yes. Just no politics or cat pictures. Yes. I will delete cat pictures quicker than Quicksilver can move. <laughs> Bring anybody us home, any- Russell. Hey, yeah, I was going to say, anybody got anything else? It's just a pleasure to be back on the mic with you guys. I'm glad I could could sit in. Good to pleasure have you to back, have Brad. you, yep. I will be, oh, real quick, real quick. So as you listen to this, at the end of May, that, that long Memorial Day weekend in Houston, Comic Palooza will be going on. And Jeremy Renner and Kobe Smulders are both going to be in attendance. I, they were trying to get a panel. Renner's schedule's too tight. So he won't be doing a panel. But I think maybe Kobe Smulders might. And so if, uh, A, if you're in the Houston area around that time, or uh, please attend the con. It's, it's a great con. I've, I've been going every year. Um, and... If you, if you happen to be there, just shoot an email over to IAC at... Uh, we'll have to get a new email address. Uh, <laughs> IAC at uh, hhwlod.com for now. And uh, let me know you're going to be there. And maybe we can have a meetup of some sort. Um, but yeah, if there's any kind of coverage there, you know I'll be all over it and recording it. Just like I did last year's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel, which was awesome. Uh, that we'll put up on the feed as well. So, so definitely be on the lookout for that. But yeah, so uh, again, thanks everybody for listening to It's All Connected, uh, and we will see you next week. Again, check out uh, mcuexchange.com and keep on the lookout for more cool stuff coming from the It's All Connected group. Sounds good. 